Good morning, everybody, and welcome to The Spiral. I'm your host, Zane Geiger, and on today's podcast, we're breaking down week one of college football. And let me tell you something. If you guys didn't watch college football this weekend, you have no idea what you're missing out on. Loads of upsets, teams showing just straight-up dominance. Alabama looks like their reign of terror is never going to end. Regardless of how many top first-round quarterbacks they keep chugging out to the NFL, there's just no drop-off in production. Um... Teams who looked really good get upset early this year. Uh, Loads of games coming down to the wire. This was a truly remarkable week one of college football. But with that being said, let's get it started. Ladies and gentlemen, college football is officially back. We had loads of insane games this week. Uh, It was a great way to start college football. So many upsets. And it started right off the bat this week with... North Carolina losing to Virginia Tech. And don't get me wrong, playing at Virginia Tech is rough. But North Carolina only scored 10 points. And this is with Sam, uh, their quarterback, uh, Samuel Howe. You know, if you don't know who he is, he's supposed to be one of the Heisman favorites, top three by most people. Uh, I I was a big fan of him and his potential, personally. Now... He did not have a good game. He threw for 208 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, got sacked six times. The running game, as you know, they had two running backs go to the NFL this year. Over the last two years, they've had two or three wide receivers get drafted to the NFL as well. So there's been lots of talent that they've pushed out to the NFL. That being said, I don't like to overreact to week one, but it does lead you with questions that you have to see. Now... Sam Howe, he did not play well. I do think some of it was the offensive line. I don't think all three of his interceptions were his fault. One of them was a tip pass by the D lineman. One of them, he's just trying to, you know, break out of a sack. He's kind of getting tackled. I think he's trying to throw it away, maybe try to make a play. I couldn't really tell what he was trying to do. But even their, their coach even admitted, like, rankings mean nothing. The shine's off. You know, they played like they were overrated. They're, they look like they're an overrated team. And, and that's what happened. Again, I don't want to take any away from Virginia Tech. I want to give credit where credit's due. Virginia Tech played them tough. Playing at Virginia Tech is a very difficult place to play, regardless if they're ranked or not ranked. Like, that is a hard environment, and Virginia Tech's defense played very well and got after Sam Howell. But if you're a Sam Howell fan, now I have to wonder. Now, now I have questions. You know what I mean? Like, I have questions. Was he maybe just a product of the system around him? Like, that, that makes me nervous. Like, that really does. Like, how am I, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, what am I seeing out of him? Because he didn't play that well. He really didn't play all that well. And it's just kind of like, what do you, what do you do with this? What's the takeaway supposed to be? So, my takeaway is kind of, he kind of, not, not, little bits of glimpses of Hackenberg. If you don't remember Hackenberg, he's a quarterback that played at Penn State, his freshman year, he went off. And people were like, if he could go into the NFL right now, he'd be a top five, top ten pick. He played insane. But he was surrounded by very good offense linemen, good running backs and wide receivers. A lot of them ended up going to the NFL over the next year or two. And his play dramatically decreased from his freshman year, sophomore year, and junior year. Now, he still had talent, don't get me wrong. But he just kept underperforming. He did nothing that his freshman year would, you know, everything he did his freshman year, like it was just a decline in the next two years. Went to the NFL, got drafted, I believe, in the second round by the Jets. I don't believe he's in the league anymore. If he is, he's on a practice squad somewhere. Um, So, obviously, he didn't work out. Now, 
I think Sam Howell is more talented than Hackenberg, and I don't think he's that bad per se, but the narrative almost is, the narrative could start to, you know, the narrative for Sam Howell could kind of be as if maybe he was just a product because of all the, the, the NFL running backs that were behind him. Having good offensive linemen, having NFL caliber wide receivers. I don't think we're to that level yet, but that's definitely something worth monitoring throughout the season. Because again, it is week one. Some people, you know, did, like a lot of people did not play this impressive week one. There was a lot of teams that did not show up that you thought were going to show up this year. A lot of people did not impress week one. And again, this is, you know, you're coming off a COVID year. You know, you're playing in front of fans for the first time. So away games, not being home. Like those are big impacts. You know, like you're not used to playing in front of a bunch of people. So there there could be instances of why people didn't show up. And I tend to give people one game. You know, like, all right, you you crap the bed somehow week one. I'm not going to say you're trash. I'm not going to say you're awful. But you have to show me now. Because now the narrative for you is maybe he was only a product of the, the talent around him. And I don't think we're there yet. But if he continues to play poorly, those interceptions, now you have to start to ask yourself, was he a part of the system? Now, I will say, in Sam Howell's defense, his O-line helped him out. They, they did not help him out. Like, the O-line did not help him out at all. The, the O-line was really bad. Uh, T.Y. Chandler, the running back transfer, I believe, from Tennessee that they brought in uh, to, you know, kind of negate the two running backs they lost in the NFL, he didn't play that all that impressive either. So there were people who didn't step up. But you've got to also, you know, you got to look at Sam Howell, too, and notice he was at fault with things. And I do think the offensive line, too, was a big part of, you know, them not being able to beat Virginia Tech. But that was an insane game to kind of really start college football. And if you're a big Sam Howell fan, North Carolina fan, because I thought North Carolina could be kind of competing with Clemson for the ACC, potentially. I know they lost a lot of talent, and I thought it was going to be a little harder for them, but I was also a big believer in Sam Howell. But now I'm kind of under the impression as. He's talented, but is he just is he more of a product of the talent around him? Like, how good is he actually? And I think that is something to monitor. Uh, one of the other games I want to talk about, too, is Ohio State-Minnesota. Ohio State came out, and yes, they won 45-31, but don't let that fool you. I, I'm not overly impressed with of, of how Ohio State played, to be honest with you. Uh, there were good things, and there were kind of things where I'm just kind of like scratching my head like, eh, like I don't know how I feel. Yes, they had the two best wide receivers in the country. Yes, CJ Shroud, uh, he came in, he played relatively well. They were able to run the ball, and I think Ohio State is going to, you know, because of the teams they play in their conference, because no one in their conference, I hate to say it, looks overly that impressive. Um, it, it, they're going to have an easy time getting to the playoffs, I think. Like, I, I just don't, like, Penn State won against Wisconsin, but I'm not really, like, none of them were really all that impressive. Michigan's still not all that impressive. Um, Michigan State has a really good running back, but that's kind of, that's all I know about Michigan State. Like, they might be able to play people tough, but I don't think Michigan State's a legit team, you know, like they have been in years past. Iowa, potentially, because their defense can force plays and everything. Um, But, again, I, I don't know what else to think. Northwestern didn't look that impressive either, week one. So Ohio State thinks they have a pretty easy path to get into the championship just because I don't think they're really going to play anybody too difficult. Uh, but the, what I need to say is their offense is going to be interesting because they have, as you can see it, they had so many guys that they get the ball in their hands, they can have home run plays. And that's going to be the dangerous part about Ohio State. Now, I like to see their offense be more consistent because I don't think you're going to be able to hit home run plays against Georgia, 
Alabama, you know, Clemson. Like, I don't think against, like, those really good teams you're going to be able to do some of that stuff. Like, you're going to have to have consistent offensive plays. Like, yes, it's nice to have, have that home run ability, which their team definitely does. But if you're relying just on home run ability and not having any consistent offense, which that's kind of the vibe I got with Ohio State. Like, it was just, like, big chunk plays. Like, I wasn't overly impressed. Like, yes, you scored, but it just seemed as if, like, everything was kind of like a chunk play. Like, that's how you won, was just big plays. And I think, I do think they got helped by a non-targeting call, um, you know, but on Ohio State. No, again, I don't think that was going to impact them to lose by any chance but I'm just saying Ohio State I'm not I, I think some people are just gonna look at the scoreboard and stats and come out really overly impressed and I just would like to pump the brakes just a little bit because their offense was really based on huge chunk plays and I don't think consistently moving the ball down the field and I do think that is a little cause for concern um so that's something that's definitely worth monitoring um Another game that I'm kind of a big fan of, let's talk about Penn State-Wisconsin. That was a defensive slugfest, and then it got really interesting in the second half. Um, personally, I had I was not able to watch that game. Um, full disclosure, I was not able to watch that game. I had work stuff that I had to do uh, while that game was being played, so I missed a lot of the 11, 12 o'clock games. Um, so, from what I gathered and everything, basically... You know, very, very big defensive game. And then Penn State was able to hold on and win it. Uh, Wisconsin's quarterback didn't play overly impressive. A lot of people thought he might be able to do a lot better than what he did. Obviously, Wisconsin was able to run the ball because Wisconsin's always been a really good run team. Um, again, he ran for the running back. Uh, Malusi ran for 121 yards and 31 attempts. So that's roughly 3.9 average uh, with the touchdown. Uh, so again, Wisconsin's always been a big run team and play teams with stout defense. When, like their defense did play really well, but again, I'm not really sold on Penn State, even though they got the 16 to 10 win. It's impressive. Uh, they do have a beast of wide receiver, Dotson. It seems like he looks really, really good. Uh, but their quarterback played from Clifford. I don't know what to think. Uh, it, they also didn't really run the ball all that much. It looks like against Wisconsin. Uh, now I do think their defense played pretty well. But again, I don't know what all to think about it. Maybe Wisconsin's not as good as the team they have. Maybe they're just going to be really strictly one-dimensional in the run game. If their quarterback doesn't play, like it's going to be easy to stop Wisconsin. Uh, Penn State, I don't know what you're going to get. Defense looked impressive, but like, what's going to happen when they face like really, really impressive teams? And that's not a knock necessarily on Wisconsin because it was a good game. But I didn't really come super overly impressed with Penn State or Wisconsin. I, I was shocked that Penn State's defense was able to do so well, but I was also really shocked on how bad Wisconsin's quarterback kind of played. And, and again, I didn't watch the game fully, so I don't know if that was fully Penn State's defense, which from what people were saying, it wasn't just Penn State's defense. Some of it was him as well and him not having the best game. So it's a little hit or miss, honestly, on how good Penn State's defense really is or how bad Wisconsin's quarterback is. Um, that being said, Penn State, I will give you credit where credit's due. You did beat Wisconsin. That is a big game. So congratulations on winning that game. Uh, Wisconsin definitely has the ability to back, bounce back if they can get some better quarterback play uh, because their defense does look good. And Penn State's defense also looks pretty well, uh, pretty good. But again, it doesn't see, It seems like they're good like second-tier teams, but I, I wouldn't put them in that first-tier team, elite team. They're probably middle-of-the-pack second-tier team still. And, and that's perfectly fine. Just if you're a Penn State or Wisconsin fan, and though Penn State won, I wouldn't expect them to be playoff favorites or to beat Ohio State by any means. Like I, 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 again, it's still too early. Um, you know, I, so I can't really fully rank 
Penn State and where they are in their conference yet because I, I got to see a little bit more because there's so many teams week one that if you're judging just off of week one performances, like you're going to write some teams off or say like they're national champions. And I don't think that's fair to do. This is the re- week one's a really good indicator to kind of picture in your head storylines or how teams can go and how players will do this year. But it is week one. People can tend to have really bad games or just amazing games. I like to see consistency. So you're kind of not really going to get a good feel of how each team is until like the first couple weeks. Now, some teams you obviously can. Um, so with that being said, let's talk about the team that you obviously know is legit. Uh, and that's going to be Alabama, if there's any doubt. So when I talked about Alabama and Miami on the last podcast, I was very big on the opportunity of Miami could potentially up to Alabama. I didn't see it happening. But I said, and I stick by this, if you're going to beat Bama, you have to beat them early because they're always replacing NFL talent. And I didn't even talk about the coaching changes that they had. They had a bunch of coaching changes because Sarkeesian going to Texas, he took some people. So, you know, again, now you still have Nick Saban. So, I mean, a lot of stuff stays the same essentially. But they did have coaching changes. They lost eight starters uh, on their football team. So, like, Alabama had to replace some people. And, again, if you want to beat Bama, typically you have to beat them early and with a mobile quarterback, which Miami has. But if you're going to beat Alabama, they're typically going to come off a little sluggish and don't play, you know, elite football early in the season. Now, sometimes they do. Like, they played really good against Miami. But sometimes you can beat them. It's early in the year when they're still figuring things out. But if Alabama came out hot, I didn't see Miami being able to beat them. And that's exactly what Alabama did. Uh, no drop-off, anything. Uh, Bryce Young looked really, really good. 344 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, the run game was pretty good. They ran over, they got roughly 150 total yards of running. Uh, they didn't really run the ball that much because they were able to pass it at will. I believe Bryce Young set a, you know, an Alabama record for most passing yards and, touch, and passing touchdowns in, a, in his debut, which is really impressive considering all the quarterbacks that's been out of uh, Alabama with all the talent they've had, especially the last few years with two uh, Mac Jones and everything. So that's very impressive. Um, Miami's in. King did not look that well. 179 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, four sacks. Like he just seemed like he couldn't get comfortable. They had no run game at all. King was virtually nowhere to be found in the run game. Wide receivers couldn't really do anything, get separated. Their, their defense didn't show up. And again, this is what I was talking about with Miami. There was a couple teams in that middle of the pack, like 12 to 16 rank, uh, before, like before the season started, where I'm like, they're in the middle of the pack. And if things go well, their ranking could jump, but just as easy can fall because there, there, there's so many what-ifs with a couple teams. And Miami was one of those. How's uh, King going to play? Is he going to be fully back from the ACL? Is Miami legit? Because a lot of people are trying to say Miami is going to be really good this year. And again, I don't think Miami, you know, you're not always going to play a team as good as Alabama. You're not going to. That's a hard game to play week one. It really is. Alabama's deep, talented on both ends of the ball. Alabama's a brutal week one matchup for almost, pro- I would say probably like 95% of college football. Probably even a little higher. I mean, there's maybe, from what I saw this week, there was maybe one team that could have probably be, maybe could stayed competitive with Alabama, and that maybe was Ohio State. But that being said, Miami didn't look that impressive. And I think the tale is this. I think Alabama looks impressive, and I think it is Miami's also not that impressive as well. Uh, I don't know if they have the right coach, Manny Diaz. I really don't. Um, I know he can recruit. I know he can get people in there. 
It's not about if they can get talent, but they, they're not winning games. They're, they're just really not. They can't win big games. They're struggling. It just doesn't seem like they win anything of importance. They can beat the teams they're supposed to beat, but any game that's kind of close or games they should win, they're not doing it. They're not. And, and again, some of this comes down to, you know, we live in an age where you need a quarterback. If you don't have a quarterback, you know, it, it's hard. It's hard to win games at this level now. Everybody's more talented. Everybody's looking to get quarterbacks in. And if, you can, and if you're a team that has a really good quarterback, you know, like those are the teams that are winning playoff games or taking teams to the playoffs or teams that have good quarterbacks are going to go to the NFL. That's the way college football is going now. You know, you can't just rely on a stout defense and a run game. Like you need a quarterback. Quarterback is the most important position in football for a reason, but it's getting so much more important now in um, college football than it, I would say it has been in years past. Because it's just the way the, the way the league's going. And Miami hasn't had a really good quarterback in a long time. And again, I like King. I think he's a good quarterback. But I also think his best years are behind him. And he's coming off an ACL injury. So I, Miami, until they can get a real quarterback, I don't know what to think of them. They're just not going to be that good, unfortunately. Um, and again, Manny Diaz, I have questions about whether, he can, whether or not he can win the big game. But speaking of coaches who have a history of not winning the big game, we got to talk about Georgia real quick. Georgia versus Clemson, the game of the night, game of the week, very, very big game, all right? And I thought I've had one criticism on Georgia, and their coach, Kirby Smart, is he has a history of being able to get to the big game, but not win the big game. And again, getting to the big game is impressive. There's not a lot of coaches who can do that, but winning it is another skill that he hasn't shown. And against Clemson, they came out and won this game 10-3. Now, it was a defensive slugfest. It wasn't pretty. Uh, JT Daniels, a quarterback I was high on potentially this season who, you know, played very well down the stretch last year. He did not play well. It looked like if they were going to lose, it was because of him and his decision-making because some of his decision-making was not, was just horrendous. Like, I didn't understand some of his throws. Made no sense. I thought Georgia should have just continued to try to run the ball down Clemson's throat. I think they tried too much sideline the sideline stuff with Clemson. And I do think Clemson's defense is very fast. And you just can't beat them sideline the sideline. I think you have to go down their throat or vertical or do something. But if you're trying to bounce everything outside or, you know, set all that stuff up, I just think Georgia doesn't have the ability to do that. And I think it's just hard because of how good their defense is with sideline the sideline speed. Uh, but JT Daniels didn't look that impressive. The run game that Georgia had, they started to get it going late, but it wasn't there early. Uh, but their defense, I-, I think they had seven sacks against Clemson. Uh, Dean, the linebacker, looked like an app, like just a beast. He had two sacks. Uh, four. Uh, well, I think he actually had more. Like I thought they said he had like seven, eight, nine tackles. I don't think this is updated. It has him at like five, but I'm pretty sure he had nine tackles on the day. Um, the point is, Georgia's defense was able to get a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. Like, Georgia's defense looks disgusting. Like, it's really... It, that's going to be a hard defense to go up against. Now, again, I, I, people are going to say this about Clemson. Oh, well, they don't have Trevor Lawrence. Like, you know, this is the no Trevor Lawrence issue. And don't get me wrong. Trevor Lawrence is hard to replace. And that's why I said about Clemson and Ohio State. If you're, it's going to be hard to replace a Lawrence and um, Justin Fields because of just how elite recruits they were and how how special they were. They were special. But I don't think you can blame it on their quarterback. I uh, For Clemson, I, now he didn't look necessarily impressive, but I don't think he cost you the game. I'll tell you what cost you the game. It's not being able to run the ball. 
they didn't have a run game. It was non-existent. And, and that's why I think losing the running back who got drafted this year, uh, Travis Etnine, uh he was the biggest reason I think they lost this game, not Trevor Lawrence. And that's going to be a little controversial, and I get it. All right? Trevor Lawrence, top, for, you know, number one overall pick, going to Jacksonville. Obviously, it's like well, they lost, obviously, because of him. To an extent, but I think the running back does not get enough credit for just how great of a playmaker he was in the backfield. There was no playmaker in the, at the running back position for them. None. You know, they, you got to think, too, that the big recruit they had last year was Bowman. He transferred out, and he's at Florida now. So they didn't have, and again, Clemson recruits well, so like they, they have talented recruits at running back. But it's just a big loss. And even I was with Travis Etnine. I didn't realize how good of a playmaker he really was in college football. I knew he was good, but I, I don't think I fully gave him credit on how just tremendous of a playmaker he was in the backfield being able to do stuff in the pass game, run game. Like, that is, that is big. That was a big loss for Clemson. They could not figure it out. Now, again, I don't think they're going to go against continuously a defense as elite as Georgia's. So their offense is going to bounce back and they're going to be able to get in a groove but they have to be able to get a run game. like, And their offensive line it isn't that bad either, per se. But Georgia's defense, I think it's just scary how good it is. Like, just, it's hard. That's going to be a hard defense to score against, to go up against on a week, week like a weekly basis. I'm going to be honest with you. Georgia probably has the best defense in all of college football. And I don't think it's close. Now, again, it's week one. I'm not trying to overreact. I would like to see it consistently. But my first impression is, Wow, Georgia's defense is legit. And I think, and, and this is where it's going to be weird, if JT Daniels doesn't play well this year, Georgia's going to have to go and play very old school, rely on its great defense, pound the rock up the middle, and hope to wear teams out. Because if their defense is really, really good. So they're going to be able to do that successfully against most teams. Now, you might struggle doing that against an Ohio State and Alabama, per se. Potentially in Oklahoma, if they can get their act together. Uh, but realistically speaking, you have potential to be able to do that and play very old school. I don't think, again, if, if they end up playing old school, I think it can be good enough to get them to the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to go far in the playoffs unless JT Daniels can get hit. And he has to have a better game. And again, it's week one. People have bad games. People crap the bed. It happens. He needs to step up. He needs to get better. Because with that defense, if they can establish a run game, they should have a vicious play-action game. They can almost be kind of similar to the Cleveland Browns. Run the rock, run the rock, run the rock. Set the play action, set up deep play action plays, catch people off guard. That, that should be their game plan uh, until JT Daniels can get really comfortable. But it looked as if Georgia was going to lose that game. It was going to be because of JT Daniels and his decision making. But even though it pains me to say it, because I'm a Gator fan, and we'll get to the Gators in a little bit, Georgia looked impressive, especially on defense. And I think their offense will figure it out. And I think Georgia definitely looks like clear favorites in the SEC East uh, after – I, I just don't know how, how people are going to do against that defense. Because that defense, I mean, that defense is going to give people nightmares, to be honest with you. Like, that was insane. And give credit where credit's due. Um, let's see. What other big games? Well, while I have everybody real quick, I will talk about briefly Florida versus Florida Atlantic. Um, you know, they were one of my teams who was kind of in the middle of the pack where I'm like, they could be really good or they could kind of crap the bed this year. Uh, Florida. Um... Emory Jones, a guy who I thought was a sleeper MVP or sleeper Heisman pick, could potentially get his name in the, you know, be a high draft pick this year, potentially if he got like every, if like he figured everything out because he has the potential and abilities. But again, in college football, a lot of people have that. So it's just, can you do that on the field? Can you actually do it? We know you have talent, but what can you do? He did not look that impressive. 
He really did not. He threw two interceptions. He probably should have thrown another two more. He looked lost. He looked like he was just like he didn't feel comfortable. He like he did not look impressive. But who did look impressive on the University of Florida? Anthony Richardson, backup quarterback, wears big number 15. He went three of eight throwing the ball for 40 yards, but he also ran it seven times for 160 yards and a touchdown. Florida's run game was legit. But again, it's against FAU. You can't fully evaluate this. It was impressive. It shows you Florida's going to have to rely heavily on the run game compared to last two years where they were very pass-happy um, with Kyle Trask. So it's going to be a difference maker. But Anthony Richardson is somebody I would watch out for who could potentially be starting for Florida in the next couple weeks if Emory Jones does not get his act together. Um, Florida's defense played okay. Uh, there are definitely question marks about their secondary still because I feel I still think they play scared, look a little lost at times. Like they're you know like they're playing like seven to ten yards back on a team's wide receivers, and like you can do that against FAU. You're not gonna be able to do that against a good team. So they're gonna pick you apart. That's what happened last year. You got so scared to get beat, and you're playing like so far off where they're just they're just throwing slants for like five seven yards each time because you're too scared to get the give up the deep ball, and they just continuously drive them the field on you. And I get it. That's probably going to be Florida's game plan on def- defensively, at least for a while. Bimba don't break because they're very young, but that's not going to work against really good teams. It'll work against FAU, but when you start getting the heart, you know, the, you know, the heart of your schedule for SEC games, that's not going to work. Teams are going to take advantage of it, and it's not going to be very successful. Um, some other games that need to be talked about real quick. I'm going to talk about Texas and Louisville, uh, Louisiana. Uh, Texas played pretty impressive. Uh, you know, the Sarkeesian era got off to a nice start. I do want to give a special shout-out to Robinson, the running back. He had 20 attempts for 103 yards and a touchdown, and then he had four catches for 73 yards and a touchdown. Did not expect him to be used that much um, in the receiving game. He is a talented man. He is a monster at that position. Like, he's just going to be an insane offensive weapon. He is somebody to definitely watch out for, especially for Heisman contention. He didn't necessarily have, like, insane game-breaking numbers, but... He did look very impressive. Uh, Card, their quarterback who started, he looked impressive too. 224 yards, two TDs um, against a good Louisiana team. So that was a very good win for Texas. I said that could be a potential upset game. I mean, the rankings weren't as bad, but I mean, 23 versus 21, Texas was ranked 21. But in theory, if I seem like that should be a game Texas could win and should be able to win easily. And Louisiana played them pretty well, but Texas looked pretty impressive, and I will give credit where credit's due. Uh, a game that definitely caught people, that could have caught people by surprise, um, is going to be the Oklahoma-Tulane game. Oklahoma won 40-35 against Tulane in a game they probably, honestly, didn't deserve to win. Radler, the quarterback I'm really high on, you know, could potentially be a first-round pick, Heisman winner, first overall pick. He threw for 304 yards, but he also threw for two, tu- uh, two interceptions, one touchdown. Um, they didn't run the ball all that much, uh... And, again, I wasn't able to watch this game fully because, again, I was working. But from what I gathered is, you know, I think Rattler likes to make the play. He wants to make the big play all the time. And I think – I don't think you can do that. Like, if you look at Baker Mayfield, uh, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, they've all been successful and they've all put up really good offensive numbers, but they're not forcing things. They're letting things happen. And I think he, at times, he plays best when he's not trying to force things. I think he just gets too – too hyped up, like almost like I gotta make the big play. Like I gotta show people like I'm the best, and I think that's what's costing him. And I think if he could just not play like that and kind of just let the game happen, 
and not trying to force everything, like, they would be so much better. Now, Oklahoma last year, again, looked a little sluggish to start the season, and they went on that vicious stretch to end the year where they looked really impressive because they got healthy, they got more experienced, they looked really good. So a lot of people were really high on Oklahoma this year because they're like, they're continuing off of what happened last year. The defense should show out and play a lot better, and their offense is going to be better. And again, I was thinking the same thing, but their defense did not look that good against Tulane. And again, it's week one. There's no reason to think they can't bounce back. But their, off, their defense did not look that impressive. Their offense at times looked a little sluggish. They only scored three second-half points. Uh, that's problematic. You can't, you can't do that. Um, so Oklahoma's a team to keep monitoring out going forward. I do expect them to bounce back and play better throughout the season. But again, that is something worth monitoring as of right now and just kind of keeping an eye out to see what could potentially happen. Uh, one of the other games we're going to talk about real quick because uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot of important games, a lot of interesting ones, to be honest with you. Uh, I think one of the big ones that needs to be talked about uh, was the game last night, LSU-UCLA. LSU got upset by UCLA and Chip Kelly. Uh, again, LSU was one of those teams that were kind of the middle pack where I was like, they have talent, but how far is that going to get them? And the quarterback threw for 330 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. He played okay. No run game whatsoever for LSU. And that's problematic. You've got to have a run game. You can't get one-dimensional. You've you got to establish a run game. Um, and against, and you know, like UCLA, I'm going to be honest with you, they look pretty good. They threw for 260 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. They ran, they had a running back run for 117 yards, another running back run for 96. Both got touchdowns. And, uh, UCLA's defense, defensive line especially looks pretty impressive, pretty stout. And you got to give Chip Kelly credit for UCLA. He's building something there and he looks very impressive. Um, that's definitely worth mentioning. Uh, again, LSU we know has talent, but it looks like they're it looks like they're still not going to be like what t- people think they were going to be. Like there's talent, but they got to get it all together. They got to establish a run game. Defense definitely has to step up and play a little bit better, more consistently. Uh, I still think they're kind of stuck in the Joe Burrow era and everything that happened there. Again, they weren't going to be expected to compete for national champions like right away after that big year because they lost so much talent to the NFL. Uh, that year, I think they literally had a player at each position leave. Like, so it was just insane of all the how much talent LSU actually lost that year. So I know they're still rebuilding everything. And I do think UCLA is a hard week one matchup because I do think Chip Kelly's built something pretty impressive there. And they're looking good. I, and I do think that was a sneaky game for them. Uh, but it was a game that I called that, you know, would be on upset alert. And UCLA was going to pull it out. I think, that's, I think it's more of a tell for UCLA being really good than LSU being bad, because I don't think LSU's as... Like, you look at the score, or you look at the matchup, and you're like, oh, UCLA unranked, LSU lost, they're overrated. I don't think that's necessarily the case, because I do think they have talent. I just think UCLA was super underrated, and people like aren't realizing that Chip Kelly's been building something there, and like they're finally putting it out there. UCLA is definitely a team worth watching, because in that division... I mean, no one really scares you that much. I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, they I mean, they really don't. Because um, who really scares you in the Pac-12 this year? Um, you know, uh, I mean, who, who's there? I mean, Washington got upset by Montana. And they were supposed to be in the Pac, you know, Pac-12 championship last year, if not for COVID. So they didn't look good. Um, USC looked okay against San Jose State. But USC didn't look that impressive. I mean, they won 30-7. to But in theory, they didn't look that good. Oregon beat, beat Fresno State by uh, coming back at the very end, but Oregon's quarterback didn't look that good. They looked like they were struggling a little bit. Stanford's not what it once was. 
Uh, Arizona State, you know, looks good. I mean, they're going to be an okay team. Arizona State and Utah both will be probably close to being ranked teams, probably bottom 15 teams, you know, right there, 15 to 20 ranked teams. Uh, like, they're solid teams, but, like, no one really scares you. I'm going to be honest right now, and, and, again, I don't like her overreaction to week one, but UCLA could be the could end up being the favorites in the Pac-12. Like, they really could be, especially going up against the potential um, Oregon or USC. Like, UCLA looks really good, and, again, it's still early. Things can happen. You know, th- this could be a tell of maybe um, LSU's super overrated. Maybe UCLA isn't truly that good. I'm personally on the UCLA hype train a little bit. I think Chip Kelly's been building something. I think he's definitely worth watching out for this year. And I think the Pac-12 has to be careful because if your offense is looking sluggish, it looks like UCLA is going to be able to put points on the board and their defense looks a little bit more impressive than what Chip Kelly had at Oregon uh, consistently. So they are definitely a team to watch out for. Um, so UCLA, definitely a team to keep an eye on. I'm very curious where they're going to be ranked going into this uh, after this week. I'm sure they're going to be up there. Um, but real quick, uh, that all being said, just kind of, a, just my initial takeaways is kind of like a recap real quick. If you're talking about all the teams this year, you know, like I was saying, like the top 25 teams, when I broke it down and everything. If we're really talking about true, really good teams, I think it's Alabama number one tier, like championship level built tier. Number two, maybe Ohio state. And then it's everybody else after that. And again, that's not again. I'm giving credit to Georgia where Georgia's due, but I just their offense is still a big question mark. And JC Daniels bouncing back. They have a great defense, but if you're talking about complete, just championship level teams, and again, I do think Miami was bad, and I so I don't know if you can fully evaluate exactly how Alabama did. I think they looked really good, but I also think it's more of a tale of Bama looking good, but also oh, Miami just looking bad as well. Um, I just clear, you know, right away, Bama looks like the favorite this year, obviously, after week one. I would say Ohio State's up there, too. Uh, probably Georgia at three. Texas A&M's going to be a really interesting team. They're at six. I don't know what to think of them. They played Kent State, and their quarterback played okay-ish. He threw three interceptions, which isn't that good. Uh, but they were able to run the ball well, which, you know, that's going to be big for them. Like, they had, like, over, like over 250 rushing yards. So that's definitely where they're going to be at. Uh, so with them, it's going to be consistent quarterback play. Cause there's a lot of quarterbacks who did not come in and play all that impressive. Like people were thinking they were going to play well. So there's definitely a lot of questions out there with certain teams. Uh, but again, like if I'll go over the top 25 teams real quick for you guys, uh, before week one started. So top 25, uh, college football teams, I'm just pulling it up real quick for you guys. Like if we had a look at it, um, uh, let's see. Like before the season started, like you know, you had Alabama up there who looks legit. Oklahoma question marks. Clemson definitely has some question marks. Ohio State looks fairly impressive at four. Georgia five, and I'm six. Iowa State's a team that's kind of interesting. Same with Cincinnati, but uh, I, I don't know if they're really in that first tier playoff caliber team. I still think they're more in that middle second tier team. Uh, the, the tonight's game, Notre Dame versus FSU. It's another game where I think Notre Dame has lost an insane amount of talent and FSU may not be a team that you can sleep on. And if FSU can just be a little consistent on offense, not necessarily like dangerous offensively, just consistently, FSU can pull it out. But North Carolina looked a little overwhelmed, overmatched, and looks like they clearly lost talent. Oregon in their quarterback situation. Wisconsin, question marks, at third quarterback situation. Florida, too. 
Miami's not there. USC has questions. LSU has question marks. Indiana's quarterback didn't play that well. Iowa played pretty well. Their defense looks really good. Penn State played okay. Their defense is interesting. And how well their defense actually would be. They got to get consistent at quarterback position too. Washington's not it. Texas looked pretty impressive. Utah's Utah. Uh, Arizona State. Eh. Like those are the top 25 teams. And out of all those teams, I mean, really the biggest impressive ones, in my opinion, were Alabama. Georgia just because of def- their defensive ability, in my opinion. Um, I mean, who else really? I guess you could say Cincinnati's quarterback played really well. And, and Iowa State's not too bad either. But, I mean, who else really played all that well? Like, Iowa, I guess. Like, these are all the top 25 ranked teams in Texas. There weren't very imp- – like, a lot of the teams that were top 25 and play this week, a lot of them weren't overly impressive. And, again, it's week one. So, again, I don't want to overreact. And, like, you'll kind of have more of a feeling how good they really are throughout the next, like, two to three games probably. Uh, usually I think it – I would say it takes roughly, like, two to four weeks to fully kind of evaluate how good a college football team is really going to be just because of matchups and everything and who they're going to play usually the first month. Uh, so you have pretty good indicators. Um, but as of right now, in the top 25 ranked teams, there's only a few teams that looked really kind of like okay, like really good. A lot of teams lot looked very questionable week one with some big question marks, and they got to bounce back strong week two. Uh, but that that's all I have for you guys today, essentially. I mean, there's not much more we can really talk about as of right now. Uh, for the next podcast, uh, we're definitely going to talk about the tonight's game, Notre Dame FSU game, and the Louisville Ole Miss game. Uh, Lane Kiffin's not coaching the Ole Miss game, so I'm curious how big of an impact that has on Ole Miss versus Louisville because I do think that's going to be actually a pretty good game. I think Ole Miss has a lot of talent on offense. I think the defense is going to be a lot better this year, so they're a team that I kind of have like keep an eye on for. Uh, but, again, that's all I got for you guys, college football-wise. Um, you know, probably next two podcasts, you know, because NFL season starting. I'm probably going to do the same thing where, I, you know, like, first first podcast, uh, especially starting next week, go over the big college football and NFL games and, you know, what those mean. And then use, like, Wednesday and Friday as a day of just breaking down the next week's games on who I think is worth watching, who I think is going to be impressive, who we need to keep an eye on. So I would expect the next podcast, we're going to finish off college football, essentially. Uh, we'll talk about any breaking NFL news going up to that. But that being said, that's all I got for you guys right now for what happened this week in college football. Like I said, it's a crazy one. If you did not watch college football this weekend, good news is it's going to be on next weekend. In my opinion, college football is a lot more crazier and hectic and just completely different from the NFL. I personally like college football a little bit more than the NFL. I just think it's just so crazy and everything, anything can happen. Um, but that being said, that's all I got for you guys. Remember, email me a question, uh, thespiral at yahoo.com. Love to get your guys' questions, answer some, uh, you know, any questions or feedback you guys have for me. Uh, and But basically, that's all I got for you guys today. Uh, I appreciate you guys listening, and I hope you guys have a blessed rest of your day.